Hello, and welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Pranjal, and I'm joined by Nat. How are things going with you? Oh, things are going great. Yeah, I'm excited to be back on the show. Looking forward to what we're going to be talking about uh, this time. Yeah, I am too. Before I start, I start off with this line quite often, but I'm very grateful for all the things we have and we enjoy today, primarily the food security that we have. But I want to talk to you about a period of time where that wasn't the case for most people. This is going to be what is called the last great subsistence crisis in the Western world. I'm anticipating a total lack of pizza, and it makes me sad. It, it's going to be the pizza famine right there. The great pizza we famine. Could, we couldn't get the right dough. I don't know. We forgot the recipe. We're all out of pepperoni. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh. So, so while this thing did affect places like Asia and pretty much most of the world, I didn't find very many as many reports about this being a problem as I did in Europe and America. So I'll focus my story on those two regions. So I wanted to give this uh, warning that this will be very Western-focused. I mean, what isn't Western-focused these days? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's true. It's like Spoken like a true Westerner. <laughs> <laughs> this is the center of the universe. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? Okay, I, I will give a description of what people had to live through during this time, after which I'll ask you if you know what the cause of this might be. So hold your um, predictions to the very end, I suppose. Please hold your questions until the end of the talk. I can do that. I can do that. I okay. wait with bated breath. So imagine you're a regular person in Europe or America in 1816. You had me up until 1816. <laughs> <laughs> So you're probably a farmer, and your entire life revolves around a calendar, much like our lives today, but in a different way. It tells you when to plant, and how long to maintain the crops, and when the harvest will be weeks later. Mm -hmm. Then you have the winter months, when nothing will grow because it's too cold or, you know, it's just not enough sun. But that's fine. That's fine. It's just for a few months. And it would really suck if that was the entire year, right? That's our story. Till the year without summer. Oh, okay. So it's season eight of Game of Thrones, but it's depressing because it's real life and not just because it's poorly written. Hey. <laughs> oh. I, I don't have a. I don't have a, a a drum snare hit thing that I can I can cue right now. But a. There we go. So uh, Europe at this time was still recovering from the Napoleonic Wars, so people weren't doing too great to begin with. Then, when winter was supposed to be over, it kind of stayed cold. Just like in Game of Thrones Season 8. <laughs> I, was gonna, I, I almost said it, but I didn't want to. I, I was like, I married the joke already. Keep going. <laughs> Granted, it wasn't snowing. It wasn't snowing cold all year round, but it sure wasn't warm enough for crops to thrive. This year, our farmers started planting, say, in early April or when, whenever the growing season starts. And he just goes out, plants a bunch of his seeds, he might have a hard time of telling if something's off with the weather since they're coming from winter where there's just generally less sun and it's, it's colder. So they might not notice the difference. So, but whatever, the calendar says to do it uh, right now. So they, they start planting like they did every year. Mm -hmm. But then it just doesn't get sunny or hot as it normally does. And the plants suffer for it. Mm. Usually it's me suffering living in Michigan. Nine months out of the year, it's, it's winter. And the other three, it's unbearably hot or it's still cold. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's really the the state that uh, gives you a fastball. Oh, you thought you were out of summer? No, we're going back in. No. Nah. See, it's easy to get used to winter when it's always winter. <laughs> yeah, I live in a permanent state of I was born in the cold. <laughs> by the time I saw sunlight, I was already a man and by then I was already frozen. <laughs> So, during this time, if the world was like Michigan, crops would perform poorly. Just like I perform poorly, but continue. <laughs> okay. And that means people will go hungry, just like you go hungry. <laughs> Let me show you a picture of just how bad the temperature got for Europe. So, right off the bat, I haven't clicked on this picture. All I see is a rough outline. There's a lot of blue in this picture, which leads me to believe it's very cold. It's very cold. Uh, could you describe this, the, the picture in a bit more detail? Yes, I would love to. So uh, what I am looking at currently, for those of you who are listening at home and going, this is a podcast, how am I supposed to see this? If you check <laughs> out the Twitter page at More Abstract, I'm sure you'll be able to find this picture there. That, that is true. So it looks like a paint-by-number but it looks like someone who did the paint by number just decided that their favorite color was blue and painted the whole map blue. Yeah. There's a little bit of orange, but turns out orange actually just means like zero, uh, which I'm assuming zero in this case is like relative temperature. So like it was as cold as it usually is, but the rest of the map is blue, which means it's like a lot colder than it usually was. By about three degrees. So yeah, that's, and that's three Celsius. Yeah. Celsius. Yes. Yeah, so what's three Celsius in Fahrenheit? Uh, like less than six. Somewhere in there? I mean, that's still pretty noticeable. It's a noticeable average difference. Like, yeah. this is the average temperature, not the point at one point. Right, and we have to remember that Europe isn't exactly tropical. So, like, six degrees cooler in Europe on average, it's, like, decently cold. Right, yeah, for them, it, they would be um, very much caught off guard. Yeah. Oh, man, it's chilly over, dear. Us over here in the Midwest, we're all used to the cold and whatnot. We just throw on another layer, but, man, over there, they must have been really taken by surprise. Wow, Atosa, that's bad. <laughs> Are you me right now? <laughs> so France, in particular, was really cold. And, yeah, there were regular food strikes like there were every year. But this year, the, the strikes were some of the most violent demonstrations since the French Revolution. So, pretty bad. Yeah, especially, this takes place right after the Napoleonic Wars, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so people were already on edge. I was going to say, Napoleon was French. Um, for those of you who don't know, Napoleon was French. I imagine France was not in good standings now, or in many of the years leading up to this. For France to be, in particular, a dumpster fire this year, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, it wasn't really great for the French. At this time, the price of food really did skyrocket. And in some places, like in America, the price of barley went up to eight times the normal price. Whoa. There is barley enough barley out there for everyone. <laughs> for those of you who are listening, that is the sound of me dying. There's barley enough barley. <laughs> that pun really went against the grain. <laughs> And that's, and that's where Parangel dies. <laughs> wow, insane. Eight times the normal amount. Eight times. Eight there was, times. It was so expensive. People just were like, either we feed ourselves or we feed our livestock. So they couldn't feed the cows or anything. So it, 
was a real problem. Yeah, sheesh. In fact, a lot of crops like corn weren't even worth harvesting since they didn't ripen enough to be eaten. So like they were just plants that couldn't be digested because there wasn't mm -hmm. enough sun or heat mm -hmm. around. Yeah, it would be like eating just the kernels at the bottom of the popcorn bowl that didn't get popped. Yeah. What's even the point, you know? Yeah. Of course, people made it out of this alive. There were still some regions that made crops and they were fine. Like, And since this was the time when European countries had colonies, they could just get their food from elsewhere or someplace that doesn't have these problems. And they were doing mostly okay. But it wasn't a great year. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, if you lived in northern Italy or Hungary, you would see red or brown snowfall from the sky throughout the year. Red or brown snowfall? Red or brown snow. It, like, it would come out of the clouds, red or brown. I don't even know what to make of this. It was the Fire Nation. I knew it. I knew it. It was the Fire Nation all along. In the east coast of America, away from the Fire Nation, there was this persistent dry fog that just blanketed huge swaths of land, and it did not disperse from wind or rain. It just sat there. It was also reddish in color, and it got so thick that you could see sunspots on the sun in midday without protective lenses like those solar eclipse goggles. Are we, are we in the Mesozoic era? What is this? This was in 1816? 1816. That was the reports. There was enough dust fog to block out the sun? Mm-hmm. And you could see sunspots without burning your eyes. So I'm guessing that that's probably correlated to the weird global temperatures. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would suggest, uh, I would think so. You could see it in artwork. Like there were painters, like I'll show you a picture made from the same painter in two different times. So this first image is painted in 1810 before all this weird stuff happened. It looks nice. Look at that rainbow. There's a guy standing there with clouds. and Check us out at, on Twitter at More Abstract if you want yes. to see this painting as well. It is on Twitter at More Abstract, so be sure to follow us on there. I'm making the plug today. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> then the second painting was taken by the same artist in 1917, the year after the non-summer year. Uh, okay, so for those listening at home, I'm going to give you my knee-jerk reaction. The first painting is the Shire. Beautiful, rolling green hills, small man on a hill. It's the Shire. The second painting is literally the Black Gate at Mordor. Like, it's Sam and Frodo standing in front of Sauron. Like, this is Mount Doom that I'm looking at. You're telling me the same painter did this, like, within a couple of years of each other? Uh, within about six, seven years of each other. Okay. Yeah, that looks problematic. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty bleak and depressing. Almost like going to Mordor. So that sunset is something that's pretty common among paintings at this time. You could, they all look particularly red and the lighting around it is pretty dim than it compared to what it usually is. Like mm. you could see other painters depict the sunset and it's visibly redder and more mm. bleak outside. With that, what do you think would cause the year without summer? Okay, so I have three theories. My first theory, Elon Musk actually did discover time travel, goes back in time coincidentally to 1816. Now, the reason why everything's all messed up is 
when he time traveled, he time traveled while in a Falcon rocket. And this is the jet trail mm-hmm. blotting out the sun. Yeah. So that that's guess one. Uh, am I close? Not with that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Guess. Second guess. Giant sandstorm in the Sahara. That would be a good guess. Like um, huge sandstorm. Because I, I, I am fairly certain in my... Many, many David, Sir David Attenborough, I apologize, narrated documentaries there. I think at a, a couple of times it's been mentioned that like in like early 1800s, late 1800s, like there's been a couple of historical events where giant sandstorms in the Sahara have basically like swept out several metric tons of like sand and dust into the atmosphere. So that was my, that was my second guess. Mm-hmm. My closer with that than I was Elon Musk. You are closer. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, wow. I was really hoping the Elon Musk one was going to be the one. <laughs> that was definitely the, the one that I had been stewing on the longest. Third guess, okay? Third guess is some kind of, like, astrological event. Like, we're talking comet in lower Earth orbit. We're talking mm-hmm. maybe meteor fragments. Maybe even a meteor impact. I don't even, I don't even know. Um, like, some kind of meteor impact in the ocean, maybe? Or... Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Gulf, I'm thinking, to shoot some stuff up in the atmosphere. Wait, are you referring to the the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> well, I mean, we are apparently in the Mesozoic era, so <laughs> yeah, I think I am. So those are, those are my my three hunches: Elon Musk time travel, Sahara sandstorm, asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> I think you're closest with the second one. Okay. So it's accepted, it's pretty much accepted that all this was probably because of a, vo- of a volcanic eruption from the volcano Mount Tambora in Indonesia in 1815, a year before the year without summer. I almost thought you were going to say it has been accepted that this is because of Obama. <laughs> I literally <laughs> thought that you were about to hit me with a thanks Obama on this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> A volcanic eruption. Mm-hmm. In Indonesia. Okay. For a second, I almost thought you were going to say, like, what happened to Pompeii? And I was like, wait, hold on. Pompeii was way sooner than that, right? Like, I, I'm not missing something, right? That was, like, 80 AD or something, right? Like, yeah. that was early. Yeah. Okay. I, whew. And Mount St. Helena wasn't until way later. Oh, no. Mount St. Helena, uh, peanuts compared to this. Yeah. I'll talk about that later. Wait, what? Mount St. Helena was peanuts compared to this? I will talk about that later. <laughs> I apologize for skipping too far ahead. <laughs> So this eruption from Mount Tambora, it lasted from months to years. Like, there was a tsunami reported on April 10th of 1815. And two weeks later, well, there were explorers that went in to the summit of the mountain, or actually saw the summit, and could see there was still ash coming out of it. And it only stopped exploding two months later. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. There were still tremors felt in the area four years after. So it was still pretty active, and throughout this time, it was throwing smoke and dust into the atmosphere, and a lot of it, too. Most importantly, it ejected a bunch of sulfuric gas. Once that gas disperses through the atmosphere, it forms an aerosol, which blocks some light from getting to the surface, and that's how it caused a lot of cooling that lasted for over a year after the initial eruption. 
that is the thing that we were missing is sulfuric mm. gas from yep okay for those of you who don't know venus is a virtual hellhole because of this exact same thing but on a much bigger scale they also have a really bad greenhouse gas problem which is kind of tied to this as well but yeah volcanic activity is kind of horrible stop worrying about the yeah. cows people worry about volcanoes although also worry about the cows but yeah but like high key also worry about the cows like i'm not saying that that's not important but like we have other fish to fry yeah it's true you know the uh, the scary thing uh the alert level for mount tambora actually was raised in 2011 it's it's not imminent like it's going to explode but it's like the caldera is filling with something so you know maybe keep looking at it okay hold on hold on so this thing is apparently way worse than Mount St. Helena, not to jump ahead again. Mm -hmm. It had tremors for literally years. Mm -hmm. Years. And this thing's still around? Still around and still active-ish. Why are we not on Mars already? (laughs) We need to leave this planet. You know, we're not running away from greenhouse gases or like the trash problem. No, we're running away. It's Mount Tambora that we should be running from. (laughs) There's nothing to fear but fear itself and Mount Tambora. This thing is literally a death trap. And we're just, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. The first, I've heard of Mount Vesuvius. I've heard of Mount St. Helena, right? I have heard of meteors hitting the Gulf of Mexico and destroying all the dinosaurs. I have never, ever heard of Mount Tambora. Yeah, it's it's very little known. I was amazed when I read this, and it's still out there. We can't do anything about it. It was a pretty bad explosion. There's a scale to tell how bad an eruption is. It's called the Volcanic Explosivity Index, or VEI. <laughs> I'm sorry, can we just hold on? <laughs> there is... Your exact words were, there's a scale that tells you how bad an explosion was, and it's called the volcanic explosion. (laughs) Like, like at least they were creative when they made, like, the Richter scale. Mm -hmm. This is, that'd be like me saying, Prangel, there is a scale to determine how delicious this pizza is. It's called the pizza deliciousness scale. (laughs) Those are the words that I just heard. It goes from yuck to yum. Yeah. <laughs> it's a logarithmic scale. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so logarithmic volcanic yeah. explosivity index. Right. What are we talking? So, so every number up you go is 10 times worse than the number below it. Mm-hmm. Mount Tambora was a 7 on the scale, while eruptions you know, like Vesuvius in Naples and Mount St. Helens in Washington, was a 5. So it is a hundred times worse than Mount yeah, St. Helena it, yeah. and Vesuvius. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mount St. Helena literally like leveled a state. It, it was pretty bad. And this was a hundred times worse and it's still around. One hundred times worse, still around. Remember when we were talking about should we be scared about Fukushima Daiichi? We should be scared of Mount Tambora. <laughs> Yeah, we, we can at least protect ourselves from another Fukushima. We can't protect ourselves from another yeah. volcano. Especially since Daini's still around, and we know Daini's going to behave. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daini, best best boy or girl or whatever. <laughs> Good, goodest reactor. Goodest reactor. <laughs> Jeez, a hundred times worse. I can't even fathom that. Mm-hmm. It's like when people say it has 10,000 times the nuclear the power of a nuclear explosion. That means nothing to me because I can't even conceptualize the power of one nuclear explosion very well. Yeah. And you're telling me to picture like one of the most 
destructive volcanic eruptions ever and multiply that by a hundred. Yeah, it is it is pretty bad. I should note that it's not as bad as Yellowstone was back in like fifty thousand BCE or something. Where would that fall roughly? That would be an eight. Wow, okay. I mean that doesn't that doesn't sound like a big jump, but remember it is logarithmic. That's mm-hmm. ten times so that is a thousand times worse than than Mount St. Helena. It is, yes. Not to make you terrified of living, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm already there. I've been there for a long time. This actually wasn't the first time the Tembora erupted. It actually erupted in 1808, just seven years prior, but it w- wasn't that bad, so it didn't, co- didn't cause another global cooling. Hmm. So, you know, may- maybe if Tembora erupts, it'll just be another, like, bleh. It- it'll just be another more peanuts. You and I have very different definitions of peanuts. <laughs> As someone without a peanut allergy, I don't fear peanuts. I am very afraid of giant volcanoes that can potentially... It was eight... There was barley enough barley. That's the power <laughs> of Tembora. We should fear Tembora. One neat thing, because of the high price of oats to feed horses during this time, there was this guy in Germany who thought about making something like a horseless transportation carriage. And that brought us one step closer to automobiles. So one good thing did come out of it, at least. But then, like, the good things were uh, at the same time as where places like Vermont lost so many people, it undid seven years of population growth. Whoa. So it it did have a a huge effect on people, as you'd expect. That's insane. Seven years of population growth undone. And it was Vermont. It wasn't like it was one of the, um, um, you know, newly called, what is it? Newly colonized or settled? I don't settled. established. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's Vermont. Mm-hmm. That's a very not super populated area, right? What about yeah. New York? Ooh, I, I'm not sure. I have it for New. I think Vermont was just the most severe because of its northern place and right. you know, cold climate. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of Vermont is also mountainous too. I think that oh, is, is a fact lost on many people. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The it is a very mountainous area. The Appalachians run through there, so I imagine the climate was like it was already probably cold, and they probably already have a narrow window for a growing season. You mm-hmm. add in the fact that a volcano is literally preventing things from growing. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So that's that's all I have for you. That's the story of what happens when the ground gets angry and what a volcan volcanic winter might look like. I don't know how better to describe it other than that. Every time we have these conversations, I'm more afraid of the planet that I live on. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to have knowledge, isn't it? It is. It is, but it is, it's such a terrible power to have. Well, you could think of it this way. We don't live in this time where it's possible to have a uh, subsistence crisis like it once was. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm very grateful. I did start off this by saying I'm very grateful for my yes. food security. So. Yes, we should be very thankful of our food security. Mm-hmm. And we should also be very thankful that if this were to happen again, there are enough, like, hydro. we have hydroponics now. That's not a thing that existed in 1816. Like, we that's can true. grow things with fancy lights indoors. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing that can happen. Yeah. We can grow crops in Antarctica. You know, you, you, you got it there. Like, if this thing was going to happen, we would probably know about it beforehand, unlike these people who would have no idea, Mm -hmm. and we could prepare for it in some way. 
get our right. own bomb shelters to live in with years of food. Fallout 6 is actually just, yeah, what, Fallout, uh, no, are we on 5? We're on 5, because it was 4 and then 76. Yeah. So Fallout 5 is just post-Mount Tambora. <laughs> and the currency is just like corn seeds. Right, yeah. <laughs> what are you buying? What are you selling? I'm selling more corn. Oh. I'm selling more corn. <laughs> Man, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Damn, nature, you scary. You, s- you gotta respect nature. Respect nature. And that is the theme of tonight's episode. That's right. Respect nature, or Mount Tambora will find you, and it will ruin your entire existence. It's the nightmare uh, all kids are told. I am also 100% willing to bet the volcanic activity was non-zero amount due to Elon Musk time travel. It might have been a volcano, but it was definitely Elon Musk that went back in time and messed with the volcano. He was like, well, I already time travel. Can I also earthbend? Turns out he could. <laughs> and he just messed with the volcano. He's a lava bender, too. Oh, no. This is what happens when the Earth Nation attacks. <laughs> yes, yeah, surprise! You didn't think about that. Y'all worried about the Fire Nation so much, you weren't even paying attention to the Earth Kingdom. Mm-mm. That's a you problem now. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Tell us what you think about it and tell a friend. And, it, and for supplementary content, follow us on Twitter at More Abstract and you'll get those pictures. And you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts. 